a safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Welcome to the Friday edition of Passion. Tonight I will share some uh, sex stories that I have found. Uh, plus, we'll play Dirty Minds after 10.30 and your chance to win a one-month unlimited pass to 360 Punch, a, uh, a workout place, a new workout place on the West Island. But first... Time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with Passion at 514 800 I should really tell you what's coming up. Uh, one of the one of the topics first is going to be about porn superfans. What do they? How do they really view women? That's coming up after ten fifteen. Uh, so a couple of questions here. Hi, Dr. Lori. Do you know any good doctor for premature ejaculation? So I'm not sure exactly what this person is asking because a, a, just a therapist or somebody who works in sexuality can help you with programs. Uh, with exercise programs to uh, to deal with premature ejaculation, which I've talked about on the air, and I think maybe last night or the night before, went I went into it in quite uh, quite a lot of detail. So you can listen to the podcast uh, to hear the answers uh, on that one. I think it was on Tuesday night, actually. If you're looking for, if you've tried everything and now you're looking for possible medication to help you, uh, there's no one medication to treat premature ejaculation, but doctors will use a low-dose antidepressant. So your family doctor could actually prescribe that. But if you want to see a specialist in sexual medicine, the best person I know is my mentor who trained me 30 years ago, uh, and he's still practicing. I believe he, you can still find him at the Montreal General Hospital, uh, the Human Sexuality Clinic. He's in the psychiatry department. His name is Dr. Pierre Asalian. So Dr. Pierre Asalian, he can do an evaluation, like a, a sexological evaluation with you to see if you would be a good candidate for, uh, for medication. Uh, can you tell us what goes on at Club Lorage? My husband has used Viagra and Cialis and had no bad effects. So there's two questions here. The second one is a statement because last night we talked about, somebody had asked me about using uh, Viagra or Cialis uh, recreationally. And we talked about some of the dangers that if you use Viagra and you use other recreational drugs at the same time, it could be uh, uh, just uh, a recipe for death or disaster. So you have to be really, really careful when you're using a prescribed medication. Your doctor should know, especially if you're taking other recreational uh, other recreational drugs. The one that was mentioned last night was something called poppers. So that uh, could be very, very, very dangerous. I'm not sure your husband has used Viagra and Cialis because he has difficulties with his erections or because he was using it recreationally. So for the most part, most people will just experience a longer lasting erection, maybe a stronger erection if they don't have ED, but there's still a risk of uh, the prolonged erection and that would uh, uh, require, um, definitely require intervention. So can you tell us what goes on at Club Lorage? I can only tell you from what I have been told and, and, uh, having interviewed and I did once, uh, off hours. In other words, when nothing was going on, had a tour of the place. So I can tell you that there's two sections to it. 
The top section is like any other bar. Nothing goes on sexually, uh, but I did see big screens there, and I believe they might play porn on there or something. And it's just a bar where you uh, are mingling with people. And uh, from what I'm told, people generally dress more, you know, they feel free to dress provocatively and, and what have you. But it's um, but the people who go there are very mindful. Nobody's just grabby and like there's you know consent is a really big thing and then there's a private part to the club which is downstairs where uh, they've got like partitions and beds and all kinds of things and that's where uh, sex happens so there's stuff that goes on there but that's considered uh, the, the private club. But a lot of people I know who have gone to this, like couples who have explored uh, going there, are, are people who are maybe toying with the idea of swinging or toying with the idea of being non-monogamous. Um, but I also know people who have gone who have made it very clear, both of them, that we're not touching anybody else. Nobody else is touching us. It's for me and you. And just to be in a more erotic environment. And some people are uh, exhibitionists. And so they, uh, they're okay with having sex in front of other people. And other people are voyeurs. And they get turned on by just watching other people. But not necessarily partaking in anything. So there's no like general rule as to what, what goes on. You can do as much or as little as you want is uh, is my understanding. All right, question. Uh, out of the numerous relationships I've had during my entire life course as a rule, I would usually reach a point where something would eventually turn me off to the point of breaking up, except one or two men at most, which even though the relationship didn't work out in the end nonetheless, I can honestly say I was never actually turned off by them. So I'm wondering if that's unusual or not. And if so, what your guess would be as to why? Well, obviously when there's, um, breakups, like there's a reason for these breakups where we realize that the relationship is no good for us. And sometimes when we get to the point where we start to doubt the relationship, we start to pick up on the things that are, uh, more annoying to us. And somewhere in our brain, we make the decision, like, could I live with these annoying traits that you know, do I love enough the person to be able to accept these these traits or I don't love them enough and now I find them so totally annoying that it just keeps building and I get uh, turned off so it, it clearly you know maybe you haven't met the person that you would uh, accept or tolerate or what have you things that would annoy you um, maybe um, just as a as a general rule so that's a, that's a possibility so obviously in the course of one's lifetime we may go through uh, many different relationships there's got to be reasons for ending the relationship somewhere we think they're not right for us and maybe that's the brain's way turning us off is uh, is the, the way to alert us that this is not the the right person but that's different than uh when you lose attraction for partners in a long-term relationship which i will get to uh tonight and uh, maybe i'll start off with that topic actually uh what to do if you're no longer feeling attracted to your partner and i can answer some more of your questions tonight
from the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Anything goes tonight on Passion. Share some uh, some stories, some news articles, some interesting articles that came out this week about sexuality or relationships and, and love and any of your questions as well. So one person brought up the feeling of attraction or being turned off and then um, eventually breaking up. So let, let's talk about this because there was a, a Huffington Post article, what to do if you're no longer feeling attracted to your partner. Now I want to make something clear. A loss of attraction is actually quite common in long-term um, relationships. But why? Why is it that people become less attracted over time? So let's look at some of the factors that were actually uh, pointed out in this article. Uh, one, you've become bored with each other. So you, you know that feeling when you just get too comfortable and everything is just predictable and stale. I have to say that we crave novelty in life and um, we we want some change or we want some a little bit of a sense of excitement and adventure and that comes with novelty new experiences together but new uh, new experiences and that could really so that can really harm the relationship if you're in a, in a point where you're bored if you have unresolved resentment, like that's a killer of desire for sure. If there are conflicts that you have not been able to get past, like conflicts about money or infidelity or uh, parenting things, or you're frustrated because you feel there's a, an inequality in household responsibilities, things like that. If these have not been worked through in a in a fair and respectable and respectful manner then your partner or one of you or both of you are going to have a lot of anger and this actually uh, just puts a real damper on any kind of attraction so make sure that you're you get to resolve uh, this resentment uh, another uh, one is you stop interacting like romantic partners. In other words, you behave simply as two parents or co-parents and or as just friends and you just get on with the tasks of daily life, but you make no time for the, the little bits of romantic time that, that, that you need, every couple needs, and which is why date night is so important because it's where you go back to just being a couple, not just parents, but also a couple. Uh, another one is you don't take care of yourself uh, in the way you used to. And it's not just about um, how you look necessarily, but it's also about uh, staying healthy, staying fit, feeling confident. These things have an impact on um, on our our uh, our self esteem, our energy, our enjoyment of life, which obviously has an impact on our relationships. So uh, sometimes, if you're with a partner who does not take care of themselves, and you do, and this is what you value, this is going to be a turnoff for you. And we can't help sometimes to have those feelings of being turned off. But how do we? Uh, how do we deal with it? So a couple of things first, uh, you have to be clear about it in your own head 
first? Like, when did you start feeling this way? Was this a, a gradual loss of attraction? What happened uh, before the shift in this? Uh, have you addressed the problem? What was the result of that? Have you been able to talk about this? Sometimes the shift in, in the, or the loss of attraction has more to do with us, with dislike of ourselves. We, uh, when we don't feel good about ourselves, we tend to project that onto others as well. Not always, but that's also something. Uh, you have to prioritize the couple. You've got to make time, even though I know you're busy and everybody's busy, busy, busy. But if you don't make time for the couple, you're going to lose that couple part. Trying new things together is also really important. And the studies all point to that now that couples who engage in new activities together, be it a, a new game, a new place to try, a new, uh, some new activity, a tra some travel, anything like that, uh, that that helps couples keep the passion in their relationship. Um, it, you also need to start talking to your partner about this. So, but you have to be sensitive when you do this because you don't want to, you don't want it to come off as criticism, but you want it to come off as, look, I want the spark back in our relationship. I want to feel this way, uh, to feel attracted. And so, you, I mean, there's, you've got to do it with tact, which is, sometimes, you know, not, not that easy when you're talking to somebody about something that is you're being turned off by, but if you let it fester and it doesn't get talked about, then for sure, no changes will be made. If you have a difficult time addressing this issue, then you should make an appointment with a couple's counselor. I think that's a really, um, really important thing. And look, your attraction can be rekindled. There's no question, but listen to what I'm saying. Rekindled. That means that it was kindled before. Sometimes I have couples that come to me who uh, want to ignite. They don't want to reignite the passion. They want to ignite the passion. And that's far more difficult to do if they got into a marriage for other reasons besides uh, feeling hugely romantic or passionate or whatever or attracted to their partner, but for other reasons, I don't know, maybe just, uh, I'm not sure, but they don't, maybe it could have been an arranged marriage, could be they want to get out of the house, could be they like the partner enough and so whatever, but they will tell me that they never actually had that much uh, or any real uh, pull, sexual attraction towards their partner. So to ignite that after years of being together, well, that's a whole lot more uh, difficult. That's a that's a, a much taller order, and not always possible to do. But if for a couple that has had it, it is absolutely possible to reignite, um, the passion. Uh, this person says excitement and adventure can mean different things to different people. It would seem to me that what everyone equally requires is a certain degree of steady stimulation, whatever form that may assume for you in order to feel inspired and vital. Yes. And that's a very good way of putting it. It doesn't have to be, uh, uh going skydiving, for example, sometimes it's doing something you've never done before. Like play Scrabble. Maybe you've never played Scrabble before. Play, playing in a, some other new game with a, a twist of romance in it or uh, trying out, uh, you know, taking a drive to someplace you've never been. It doesn't have to be anything uh, huge, but that stimulation 
is absolutely uh, important. There's uh, no doubt about that. Um, I want to answer another question that came through. So tonight, anything goes, really. If you have a question you want to talk about, I, I'm happy to, to do that, and uh, I'm happy to share some of the stories also that I've, uh, that I've collected. And your two cents, always welcome. Um, it's a little embarrassing of a question, but I was wondering if there's anything I can do about my severe aversion to the smell of semen. It's bad enough that if I give my boyfriend a hand job and he ejaculates, just having it on my hands and being able to smell it when I wash my hands makes me vomit. I really want to get over it, but my stomach seems to have a mind of its own. See, that's really hard to do. It's like telling somebody who absolutely hates uh, the taste of, uh, I don't know, broccoli or coriander. Some people are like really aversive to that. Um, to to try and like it. It, it I, I'm not. I don't even know how to answer you for that, except for maybe him wearing a condom uh, during uh, even oral sex or or uh, when you uh, masturbate him might be the answer to that. Is just try and find a really really thin uh, condom. Maybe use some kind of smelling lubricant that you that maybe could mask the smell for you, uh, but you're going to have to find a way to adapt to that. I don't know how to get rid of an aversion to a smell or a taste, to tell you the truth. If anyone else has any, uh, any tips for our listener, please, I, I would love it if you could uh, contribute. Uh, texter wants to know, how do I prepare for anal sex with my girlfriend? Well, the first thing is ask her, <laughs> uh, is she willing? Is she wanting? Is this something she absolutely is okay with trying? Next, you go really, really slow. Your partner has to be relaxed. You have to use an, a, a lot of lubricant, so external uh, lubricant. You have to make sure she is in complete control. In other words, you don't just put it in and ram it in. You go extremely slow, and the minute it, she says, ouch, or no, or this is no longer comfortable, then, then you have to respect, um, her limits. Very important to respect her limits. So, uh, you want to do this, uh, you make sure that you never go from anus to vagina as well. You want to avoid, uh, bacteria and you, um, and to protect your partner from any potential STIs, you would want to use, um, a condom as well, unless you've both, uh, both been tested. So slow and easy, real slow. Uh, coming up, we'll talk about how male porn super fans really view women. What is their view? Passion with Dr. Lori Batido on CJAD 800. All right, let's play a little bit of Dirty Minds for your chance to win a one-month unlimited pass to 360 Punch, a workout uh, place on in the West Island. Uh, here are your clues. If you've never heard it before, I give you three clues. They sound somewhat dirty, uh, but the answer is not. If you know the answer, call at 514-790-0800. The first caller through to... Um, uh, to Aaron, who's uh, picking up the phone lines, uh, will win this prize with the right answer, of course. Uh, sometimes I'm a flasher. After my bottom glows, you can go. 
If my top gets red, you'll have to stay. What am I? 514-790-0800. So I got an interesting text from someone who says, Dr. Lori, if a couple who are married are not attracted to one another anymore, why would you tell that couple to go to marriage counseling? Why didn't you just advise them to divorce? Because oftentimes um, couples still still really love each other and it all depends on how this lack of attraction uh, is. It's common. It's a, There's a normal fluctuation in attraction throughout a couple's marriage. However, if you have felt unattracted to your partner for quite some time, in spite of efforts to try to reignite it, then maybe that's where uh, the, the relationship just has run its course. Maybe there's been too many changes on both parts. People do change, people evolve, people grow, uh, and some people do grow um, apart. And maybe what you were attracted to once changes, now you're attracted to something else. So that's a possibility, but you need to figure this out for yourself. I think people are too quick to go the divorce route when it's uh, something that they need, they could look at, and especially if they have feelings for each other. So oftentimes people might be romantically attracted and not sexually attracted, meaning they feel love for their partner, but they don't feel sexual attraction to their partner. If that's the case, you can reignite if you can figure out what is going on. So I'm not quick to say, well, no attraction. All right, well, just get divorced. Well, let's get to the bottom of it. Let's find out why. Let's learn from this. And if after the, all these efforts, you still feel this way, uh, okay, then then you can make uh, other decisions, right? 514-800 to, uh, to have, uh, to, if you want to make any comments to anything we're talking about tonight. Well, that was an easy one. Marie, congratulations. You have won. Uh, sometimes I'm a flasher after my bottom glows. You can go. If my top gets red, you'll have to stay. I am a traffic light. Uh, yeah, that was an easy one. All right. Uh, thank you. Next, uh, well, I guess Next week, I'm going to be on vacation, but when I come back, we'll play more Dirty Minds. Let me talk to you about uh, porn superfans. So, pornography is viewed by uh, many people. One porn site alone in one year gets over 33.5 billion views. A hundred, pretty much a hundred million visits per day on one website on Pornhub. That's a hundred million visits. That's a lot of people. So, uh, there's a lot of talk about, um, porn consumption, a lot of anti-porn groups that are saying it's really bad for society, that it fuels misogynistic attitudes and it fuels sexual violence. Um, all of that, which I've shared this before, but many studies show quite the opposite. And so this group of uh, researchers, and they're researchers from universities, so it's a, this is a, a peer-reviewed, valid study, what they did was they wanted to find the, the, the porn superfans. Who are the superfans? They, uh, they figured they're the ones who are going to pay to go to the AVN Adult Entertainment Expo in Las Vegas. It's like the big 
porn awards okay that's how enthusiastic about porn they are and so what they did was they uh, interviewed and gave them questionnaires they had I think uh, close to 300 uh, what they would call uh, super fans and then they compared their attitudes about gender equality to those of everyday Americans which they got from another big uh, global um, survey so uh, they wanted to ta- they wanted to address the issue that a lot of uh, politicians and journalists are you know they're screaming saying that porn is a public health crisis and that it's an epidemic and that uh, it, it causes porn addiction and objectification and fuels the hatred of women and sexual toxicity and all of that. So they wanted to know does this actually play out in if you ask these kinds of questions to uh, the super fans. So they um, they were able to get 300 people. Average age was about 44 years old. Uh, half, pretty much half said that they watch porn less than once a day, but more than once a week. Over a third said they watch it every day. Uh, so 80% of the attendees in the sample that they chose watched porn multiple times a week. 34% of them were married, uh, and um, many of them, over 60%, had a higher than uh, had a college degree or higher. So they were quite educated. Uh, then they wanted to find out their attitudes, their gender attitudes uh, specifically. So they asked them four questions uh, that would uh, determine how they felt about equality for men and women. Um, if they talk about uh, you know discrimination towards women and things like that. So some interesting questions that that get to that. Um, to, to that value or, or those beliefs. So what they discovered was that male porn superfans actually expressed more progressive attitudes towards gender equality on at least on two of the uh, questions. And for the other two questions, so there were four in total, they indicated um, just as progressive attitudes as the general population. So they were no more sexist than the average Joe in, in, in the general, uh, in the general population. Um, so I found that really very, very interesting. So of course these findings challenge what porn scholars are calling the negative effects paradigm, which sees porn as an inherently bad thing that cultivates harmful attitudes. In fact, there was another study that found that porn consumers held more egalitarian views on women in position of power, women working outside the home, and abortion than those who did not view porn. So what is this moral panic that people are thinking this is some kind of health crisis. The evidence is not there. It's rhetoric that really uh, is simply uh, made like it's, it's, a, it's to induce moral panic in this and, and it's just not, it just doesn't bear out when it comes to the studies. Uh, coming up, we'll talk about the reasons why somebody will break up with uh, you if he's Five reasons a guy will break up with the woman he's in love with. We'll see if you agree. I didn't agree with a lot of this, but we'll see what you think.
This is Passion on CJAD 800. A couple of texts here in response to the woman who, uh, who has a severe aversion to the smell of semen to the point that it makes her vomit. Uh, this person says, how about desensitization therapy or simultaneously using any pleasant taste or smell while engaging in order to establish positive associations with semen instead? It's a possibility, but the reverse can happen too, that the smell that you once liked is now paired with the smell that you're aversive to. It's, it's a tough one, but what if uh, in that same vein, what if you used some scented cream or scented um, especially scent, scented hand cream, for example, so you would get more of that smell. Something strong smelling um, might work. Another text writes, for myself, intellectual and emotional depth is not merely uh, ultimately stimulating, but an actual necessity for my relationship to work and last, specifically pertaining to that of a philosophical, scientific, and poetically expressive nature, respectively. However, it's quite the feat trying to find a partner possessing such a combination of qualities. I would be curious to know if there are any places you could recommend to frequent both online and off in order to increase my odds. You know, I I don't know really, aside from what everybody else is using, the apps and some of the th things we've talked about here, like the cook and date events where you uh, can have, there's an opportunity to have these in maybe intellectual conversations. Um, you can go to a speed dating event, things like that. But when you write up your profile, make sure in it that you really stress that you enjoy these intellectual conversations that, that that's important for you. Maybe look on websites where there are people that have more academic background possibly. Uh, so you're able to see their level of scholarity. Maybe that will make a difference in terms of weeding, weeding out what you want and what you don't want. So that's a, that's a possibility as well. All right, this person wrote an article, and I, I'm not sure if it's a guy or a girl, who, a guy or a woman who wrote this, but the headline was five reasons a guy will break up with the woman he's in love with. So he's in love with her, but he's breaking up with her. Um, unjust scrutiny. In other words, when a woman is always comparing and contrasting him against other men, uh, it's really unfair. So they say keep your thoughts on your ex to yourself. So unjust scrutiny threatened by her success. So a guy will break up with a woman he's in love with because he's threatened by her success. I'm not sure. I, I don't know if I agree with this really. Um, this article says men often feel threatened by a woman's success. I have met more men who are absolutely not threatened by a woman's success. I don't know what your thoughts are on that is, but when a woman is more successful than he is in terms of money or job or, or career or something that, uh, is he not really happy for her? Like this article says her male partner is rarely ever truly happy for her. I have a hard time believing that. I really do. Uh, this one may be trying to change him. So a guy, a reason will break up with the woman he's in love with is because she tries to change him. The article says many women try to mold a man into what they see as their ideal partner. Constantly trying to change someone shows that you're focused on what you see as their shortcomings and that you feel they're not enough as 
they are. We all have our flaws, but when a woman tries to fix a man, he will likely end up despising her for it. Instead of altering him, support his decisions and everything else about him, whether that be his looks, views, viewpoints, and opinions, way of doing things, his schedule, and more. Well, that doesn't leave much room for discussion or uh, changing things or making things, you know, different. I, I, I don't quite get that. Uh, constant nagging. Okay, that's really awful. Anybody who has to live with constant nagging. But if you speak to the women who do a lot of nagging and this this complaining because they need to remind their partners to do something, it's because oftentimes their partners are, are forgetting or not doing things that they have to keep constantly reminding them. There's two sides to every story. So th- when I read this, I'm like, wow, this is really a one-sided thing. Like where's the, where's the balance on this one? Didn't, didn't quite see it. Um, in terms of the semen question again, uh, a caller said that eating pineapple can change the smell of sperm. So that's true. You might want to um, have your partner maybe try out different things, different foods. Usually sweet foods are the ones that will uh, will change things and change the, usually taste, change the taste, but also um, the smell. So maybe have a look at what your uh, boyfriend is eating on a regular basis. Does he eat a lot of onions, garlic, asparagus? These are things that will make um, uh, sperm have a more pungent uh, odor. You can look it up online. There's all kinds of information on there as to what you can eat or not eat uh, that will help that. So that's, uh, that's it. Uh, Carlos writes, happy that my wife makes more. <laughs> yeah, doesn't it? It just like makes it a little easier for you. Why, why would you be upset with that? Anyway, you know, you're a team. I always wonder about that because you get married or you're together. You become what you become, not that you become one, but you become a team. Uh, and so should it matter if one makes more than the other, if the woman, God forbid, the woman makes more than the guy, I don't get that, but anyhow. Uh, this crazy story, because there's always at least one crazy story on our Fridays, a North Carolina, North Carolina woman arrested after she allegedly tied up her husband and cut off his penis. I have no idea why she did it, no explanation. All I know is she was arrested she, uh, by the authorities, uh, she was charged with malicious castration. I didn't even know that was in the law. Uh, malicious castration and kidnapping. Um, they, the, the, they're not young. There's not, there are no spring chickens either. I mean, her husband is, uh, 61 and he claimed that his wife had pulled out a knife, tied him up inside their North Carolina home and then proceeded to cut off his penis. She's 56. Uh, the uh, authorities eventually recovered the penis and they put it on ice, uh, but it's not clear, no information as to whether the doctors were able to reattach it or not and why the hell she severed her husband's penis. No idea. Texter writes, my experience has been meeting men who turn out to be intimidated, jealous, and resentful towards my intelligence and attractiveness. So a man being jealous 
due to his personal inferiority complex of a woman's success is not necessarily so far-fetched. No, I don't think it's far-fetched. I just think it has more to do with the other person's inferiority complex or insecurities. So you'd want to look for somebody who was quite secure in their uh, in themselves. Ah, that means I've got to wrap it up. Uh, just a couple of announcements. Uh, on my Facebook page, at Dr. Lori Batito, we have a painting up for silent auction. It was painted live during our 20th anniversary party, uh, and it's up for auction right now. The auction ends on Monday, so I direct you there if you are interested. Eric Waugh did a fabulous, uh, fabulous painting. Uh, and also... To let you know that I am off uh, next, uh, this coming week and next, Paris Mansouri will be sitting in for me. So treat her well, please. Be good to her. Uh, I'll be on vacation, uh, but the show will go on with some regular panels and some interesting guests for you. Thank you so much for spending time with me tonight. Thanks to our technical producer, Aaron Lakoff. Thank you to our passion researcher, Linda DeLisi. If you want to connect with me on social media, you could do that at Dr. Lori Batito or through my website, drlori.com. Coming up next here on CJD, the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening, a fabulous weekend, and remember to live your life with passion. <laughs>